Hey, and welcome to Becca Babbles Podcast, the show where I will teach you to be the best version of yourself by learning about yourself, body, and the world around you, or at the very least, give you a good laugh. I'm your host, Becca. Now let's get babbling. Hello and welcome back to Becca Babbles podcast. I'm your host Becca and today I had the honor of interviewing Marissa Kayla. This podcast is probably going to be one of my favorites. I know I've only interviewed like three people but I had so much fun recording this podcast because it went in a completely different direction than what I thought it was going to go but that just makes me even more excited about the information that both me and Marissa discovered in the process of me interviewing her. But if you don't know who Marissa is, Marissa is a holistic fitness coach and founder of Holistic Fitness Labs. She's the creator of Misfit and Nerdy, and she graduated from MIT in 2017 and has since been using her platform on YouTube and Instagram to inspire thousands of people to build their own healthy lives. She is passionate about experimenting with diets and encouraging others to question the diet dogma and cave their own paths that work best for their bodies. Marissa is on a mission to free women from the 1200 calorie diet mentality and discover their inner strength with resistance training. Honestly, Marissa has been someone who has inspired me since my freshman slash sophomore year of high school. And I really wanted to share her information with you guys because I found her so valuable in my own health journey. And I feel like she's going to bring value to you too. During the process of this interview, we talk a little bit about reverse dieting, which is a course that she is going to be coming out with, I think, the day that this drops. So you're definitely going to want to hit that link in the description and check out her program because I know for myself, I went through a reverse diet and I've found so much freedom within that. And Marissa is such a calming, joyful spirit that she's going to help you pave that way into becoming your most fit and healthy self that you're going to want to be coming this new year. And if you don't know what reverse dieting is, you're definitely going to want to listen to this interview because Marissa goes in depth about what exactly reverse dieting is and how that can help benefit you. But if you want to learn a little bit more about Marissa, besides her amazing course, you're going to want to hit that link in the description of her Instagram and her YouTube channel and check out everything Marissa has to offer. But besides that, I can't wait to babble with you next time. And let's head into this interview. The first thing that I wanted to ask you, since like your name is Fit and Nerdy, I honestly was thinking like, should I call her Marissa or should I address her as Fit and Nerdy? <laughs> Marissa. Marissa. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so with that, I wanted to know what you've recently been nerding out about. Ooh, what have I been recently nerding out about? That's a good question. Hang on. I just listened to a podcast episode that I think was really interesting. What was it? It wasn't mind um, pump, was it? <laughs> it was not. I, I do love a good mind pump episode. Oh, um, it was, I listened to a podcast episode about um, infrared saunas mm-hmm. um, and the, I guess light in general is what I've been consuming more content about lately and like different wavelengths of light and the different benefits that the different wavelengths have. Um, from like near infrared to far infrared to red light to um, just like sunlight throughout the day like you know the quality of sunlight that you get at 
10 a.m. is different than the quality of sunlight that you get at 2 a.m. And they both can have like different benefits for the body and stuff like that. So that's kind of what I've been dipping my toe into lately. For people who don't know what infrared saunas are, could you explain that a bit? Um, that's a good question. Can I explain it? It's, so it's a sauna, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's like the little sauna room that's like wood and like a normal sauna. Um, but it heats itself. I think, I mean, I don't know the actual like how it's built but like there is infrared wavelengths in it and that is what causes the heat um and so it is like temperature wise less hot than a a traditional just heat sauna um but it can affect your mitochondria at a different level because um the infrared wavelengths can like penetrate your body differently i suppose Mm -hmm. um so there's a lot of like mitochondrial health benefits to it and stuff like that but there's also like a lot of good benefits just like a traditional heat sauna and the podcast that I was listening to was an expert for the infrared saunas but not as much um like regular saunas so I personally really want to dive into like the actual difference in benefits and like whether or not you should combine them or stuff like that's a long-winded way of answering your question but (laughs) (laughs) no it's a podcast I like I like the long-winded answers (laughs) (laughs) good (laughs) but yeah Yeah. basically a normal sauna but it just heats with infrared wavelength instead of just like heat okay yeah I've always been like interested on like if there was a way because I know a lot of people like the heat saunas Mm -hmm. mostly just for like um I know there's immune health with that and then Mm -hmm. also just like people wanting to like detox I don't know if that's like the right word to use yeah I'm pretty sure it supports your liver in some way which does Mm -hmm. help your body detox and um just sweating is one of our body's main detox pathways so the more you sweat the more you're like flushing out toxins from your body so yeah heat heat saunas are great like the stress the good stress that heat puts on your body is very beneficial um gives a lot of like cardio benefits and all that other good stuff too yeah, speaking of cardio, so to getting into more about you, yeah, I'm getting better at these transitions, or at least I'm trying to. <laughs> I did like a, I did a New Year's recap, and I was like, I'm going to get better at transitions. It's gonna happen. <laughs> it might be cheesy, but it's gonna happen. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, so tell me a little bit about your background. How did you get into like the fitness space? Oh, um, do you want the long story? Of course. <laughs> okay. So let's see. I growing up um I was like into sports in a small capacity but wasn't like super athletic I was a nerd I wanted to sit at my desk and do my homework um and then in college we had a PE requirement in order to graduate so I had to take a certain number of classes or PE classes um and I think my junior year, I was studying for finals and procrastinating as one does and fell down the rabbit hole on YouTube of um, like health and fitness influencers, which is not something that I had ever really explored before. I was super into YouTube, but like more the vloggers kind of um, just like lifestyle stuff. And I found Naomi Smart, who at the time um, was talking a lot about like health and fitness and nutrition and all of that good stuff. And then from there, one thing led to another and I was watching Whitney Simmons and Abby Pollock and like all of the like OG uh, female fitness influencers. And a lot of them were into lifting. Um, And I was like, huh, like I'd never considered that as even a possibility for me. Like whenever I walked into the gym, I always just like 
went to the cardio machines and did cardio and I saw the weights, but I wasn't like, yeah, I could do that. Cause it's always just guys that are over there. Um, so seeing that on YouTube made me realize it was a possibility. And I was like, that sounds like fun. So for my PE requirement, I signed up for an intro to weightlifting class and I kind of fell in love with it and started binging all of the content that I could find about health and fitness. So starting listening to the Mind Pump podcast, like 24 seven, I would walk like four miles during the day to class and back and then to class and back. And I would just be like listening to Mind Pump nonstop and like other um, health and fitness podcasts. And I guess my passion for it just kind of grew from there, the more that I learned about it. Um, and the more I started reading actual scientific studies and stuff and finding kind of the truth of it all for myself and also feeling the benefits of it myself just kind of motivated me to just keep going. Yeah, that's um, really interesting how you came from the take of like feeling like you were nerdy, but still like you still thought that you had to do like cardio, like weights wasn't mm -hmm. a thing. And for me, I came from more like a sports background and yet still being a girl, it still felt like it was like, oh, go to, got to do sprints, got to just run a bunch of like miles. Mm -hmm. And I never thought about lifting weights until like uh, further on into my journey. It was like, oh, you can lift weights, but it's like, oh, wait, make sure the weights are light. And it was like, yeah. um, yep. so when I, I think it was actually one of your YouTube videos that came on my like feed and like the algorithm just feeds you like all the, all the YouTube mm -hmm. videos. Um, I saw yours and I was like, oh my gosh, that's really cool. She's like lifting weights and she's like actually really strong and lifting a lot of weights in it. Um, it just made me want to be like that too. So oh, yeah. that makes me so happy. Like one of the main reasons I decided to start my YouTube channel is because I found fitness through other YouTubers and mm -hmm. I wanted to be able to share that with more people and like essentially pay it forward. So yay, <laughs> apparently <laughs> I have paid it forward. That makes me very happy. <laughs> oh, definitely. Was there anything that popped up throughout your fitness journey where you like got sucked into diet culture, or, like made mistakes along the way? Um, That's a really good question. I, nothing really comes to mind off the top of my head. I know that at the beginning, I didn't really know what I was doing. And so I was kind of reading everything and trying to digest everything. And I'm sure there was stuff in there um, that was not uh, the healthiest that I probably read. And I was like, oh yeah, sure. Um, but I think I made it through so much content so quickly um, that I kind of found a healthy balance pretty early on in my journey. I will say that like before I started what I consider to be my health and fitness journey, I probably had um, some more diet culture mindset around food and stuff. Like I definitely in like eighth grade ish believed that I should be eating 1200 calories a day um, and that I should be tracking macros and that I shouldn't be eating certain foods. Um, and those beliefs never really it never really went further than that. It's not like I like actively restricted 1200 calories a day and developed um, any sort of disordered relationship with food because of it. But it was definitely like a belief that was in the back of my head that like, this is what I should be doing if I wanted to do something correctly. Um, but I, just, I didn't care at that point because I hadn't started my fitness journey. Um, so yes, there were, there were diet culture beliefs in my brain. Um, but thankfully I think 
I was able to kind of evade that in my actual fitness journey. Where do you think those diet culture thoughts came up from or who told you that? Oh, goodness. That's a very good idea. Probably the internet. Um, (laughs) I don't know. Like, it's just kind of everywhere at this point, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Like, TV shows, people talking about, like, I'm sure people mentioned, like, 1,200 calories somewhere on TV. I'm sure it was mentioned, like, I don't know, was Facebook a thing back then? If Facebook was a thing, it was probably on Facebook somewhere. Um, I think at that, like, in those years, that was, like, one of the most prevalent things that was talked about was, like, the 1,200 calorie thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was kind of when the myth that we should all be eating 1200 calories a day as women. Like, I think that was kind of when it was originating. So it was just like, it was just everywhere. Um, and it kind of still is to today, even like more so with the prevalence of social media and everything. Um, but yeah, no, it was just everywhere, which is really unfortunate. Do you think it's getting better or worse with social media? Ooh, um, here's a hot take so (laughs) (laughs) diet culture obviously not great I am if you watch any of my content very clearly anti-diet culture like I'm all about eating as much as you can to be as healthy as you can and no foods are bad foods etc that said um there is the whole anti-diet culture movement on social media and I think it is swinging hard in the opposite direction with good intention because to fight extremes you kind of have to be extreme um but I think a lot of it is going a little bit too extreme in the opposite direction um and so it's it's still I don't I don't think anti-diet culture is as bad as diet culture but I think there's still just as much misinformation on both sides. And I think there is still not a lot of rhetoric on social media that actually strikes the correct, like scientifically correct balance between the two to help people achieve like optimal health and self-love at the same time. Yeah. And I think it's a little bit hard because most people are getting their information from like a short caption or like a short yep. video and it's yes. like it's kind of hard to infuse the two exactly when it's like a I don't know how long are Instagram reels or like I'm not on TikTok so like I don't <laughs> I'm know <not> either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like I don't want to go down that rabbit hole I get yeah too that's, that's why YouTube's my my platform of choices because I found on Instagram too like I I take up every last character that I'm allowed to in Instagram captions and stuff I say still gets misinterpreted because I can't elaborate as much as I would like to and I think that is definitely part of it is when you have to shrink your content down to bite-sized pieces you can't get into the nuance and so you kind of have to make these blanket statements that you know when you, when you make a blanket statement it tends to not be a hundred percent true because it's, it's the human body doesn't function that way like we are all different and we all have different biologies and so you know you can't say like everyone should be doing this because that's not the case um so yeah I think short form content has definitely been not not the best for getting accurate and actually helpful information out there do you think people realize that or do you think people are just like no my life is too busy I need this like short form content uh 
I think people are starting to realize it. I think, um, what was that documentary that came out during the pandemic about the dangers of social media? It was like the social, what is it? Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, I remember. It's like Social Dilemma. Is that what yeah, it's that yeah. one. Um, I think a lot of people watch that and realize like how messy everything is getting because mm-hmm. of social media. Um, and I think a lot of us know that you know, Instagram is not the best place for quality information. Um, But it's the algorithm, man. It sucks you in. It keeps you scrolling and it keeps you getting exposed to those things over and over. And even if we all know in the back of our brains that like you can't trust everything you read on the internet, when you keep seeing it over and over and over on the internet, you start to believe it no matter what. So I think even the awareness of the lack of truth might not be necessarily enough to shift the popular beliefs and opinions. Oh, definitely. Like I even know for myself, I'm like, I know that like going on Instagram all the time is not good for me. And I've even like, I did the whole thing where I have an iPhone so I can like put it at the back of my phone and I'm like, I'm not Mm going to touch this and just use it from time to time. But even then I'll catch myself where I'll like spend, I'll like start clicking over there and spend, and I'm like, what? I could have been like reading a book or something. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's weird being like kind of living my life on social media like my job is essentially social media right like Mm -hmm. I I can't delete Instagram um because that is my job and I feel like if I had a completely separate job where Instagram didn't matter at all I would hope (laughs) that I would just delete Instagram um and not use it or at the very least create some other boundaries or parameters that would help me use it in a healthier way Mm -hmm. um but because it is part of my job and because I need to stay up to date on like trends and things um I I probably could figure out how to do this but like this smarter business thing is to stay up to date on everything which means consuming a lot of information that is not necessarily the best um but it's just good to have on my radar so it's it's a weird it's a weird balance to strike because obviously I'm all about health, um, but Insta- Instagram is not, not great for your brain. Um, and so it's kind of, there's a little bit of cognitive dissonance that happens when I catch myself just getting sucked into the Instagram hole and having to just claw my way out. I'm like, this is, this is not, not optimal. Could have gotten a workout. And that happened to me today. Not going to lie. Um, before this call, I, I could have gotten a workout in. I had an hour, could have gone outside, done a little stuff with dumbbells just scrolled on Instagram instead. Um, So, you know, gotta, gotta work on that. But yeah, it's, we live in an interesting time. That's Mm -hmm. for sure. With, um, if you could like do it all over again, would Mm. you be promoting yourself that much on Instagram? Uh, That's a very good question. I think Instagram's it feels like a necessary evil for what I do. So mm-hmm. I don't know if there's really a way around it without like sacrificing essentially my job. Mm-hmm. Um, like I could delete my Instagram and not have a misfit and dirty Instagram, but then I am a slave to YouTube. And if YouTube were to go down tomorrow, then I have no job. Um, so there, there is a need to diversify and have all of that and still have a presence on multiple platforms. Um, and it is in a lot of ways, very helpful from the business side of things, 
So I think I would have to keep it no matter what. Mm-hmm. But I wish I didn't. <laughs> Do you think like future businesses are going to have to have like some sort of social media presence to like thrive in the future? Absolutely. I mean, just as a consumer myself, like if I'm thinking about buying something, going to a restaurant, anything like that, I look it up on Instagram, like Mm -hmm. Yelp and Instagram that help me make a decision as to whether or not I'm going to give a business my money. Um, So yeah, I think it's, if I'm looking into something and a company doesn't have any social media, it's almost a red flag because you can't really get genuine, like reading comments on posts and stuff, you get people's genuine like reviews of the products. And that's something that's, I mean, obviously you can curate it, but it's harder to curate. Um, So yeah, I I think, I think social media at this point and for the near future is, is a necessary evil, unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah. Well, going back more towards your story and less about Mm -hmm. social media. (laughs) The doom and gloom of Instagram. Yes. Okay. We can make it a little bit like lighter. So (laughs) you went to MIT which is like really crazy. Did you know you wanted to go to MIT? No. No, okay, Uh (laughs) tell me about that. I wanna know the story about getting into MIT. Okay, Uh, I feel weirdly pretentious just talking about having gone to MIT, but- No, show um, off your nerdiness, we need to know. (laughs) That's fair, that's fair, I will fuck it up. So, I mean, I was always a super nerd, like in middle school, sixth grade, my goal, I I had a project, my goal was to get over 100% on it and I got 140%. Like I just, I've I've always wanted to do very well in school. Yeah, I I did a lot extra. Um, I thought my grades mattered in middle school, to be fair, I, I thought, they would have some impact on the rest of my life turns out I was wrong um but I've always loved school always loved learning always been a huge nerd um like genuinely wanted to do well in class and that kind of got me to applying to colleges and when I started applying I realized like I have good grades um I did well on the SAT I have the extracurriculars I should just go for it and apply to like all of the top schools. So that's what I did. Um, This is what sounds kind of pretentious is I didn't really want to go to MIT. Um, (laughs) All I knew about it is that it was some like niche tech school. Mm -hmm. Um, When I went to the campus, it looks, it doesn't look like a friendly, inviting college campus. Like Harvard, beautiful campus. MIT just looks like a bunch of industrial buildings piled together for the most part. Um, So I was like, this doesn't look great, but sure, might as well apply. Um, And then I didn't get into my like top dream schools and I did get into MIT. So I was like, all right, guess I will consider this further. And when I went to, they have like a campus preview weekend where like all the admitted students can like come and hang out for the weekend and clubs do things and you can just like talk to students and stuff. And I did that. And that's when I kind of started falling in love with it because everyone there was like me, like it was a bunch of nerds, a bunch of people that were, I don't, I wasn't like an outcast in school, but like I was a nerd in high school. Right. So like, I wasn't, I wasn't part of the popular group. That's for sure. Um, And MIT is full of a bunch of people that most of whom were not in the popular group. So all of a sudden, you know, we were all kind of not popular in our own way, but like everyone kind of 
against each other at MIT because we all had similar experiences in like growing up in the high school and middle school. Um, and so it was more like the culture that I fell in love with and just being surrounded by a bunch of people that were so much smarter than me. Um, I absolutely love that. Like I'd rather be surrounded by people that are a lot smarter than me than feel like I'm the smartest person in the room. So um, that really drew me to deciding to go to the school and yeah I loved it so much like great experience like again I think mostly the people um but just being in an environment that pushed me that hard um was very enjoyable did you what do you think you learned from going to MIT besides like obviously your classes but like did you have any learning experiences that made who you are today um I'm sure there were a million. Um, I actually, yeah, that's, I had to forge my own path at MIT because MIT is a like math and science and tech school. Um, and going in, I, I, I applied thinking I would be a cognitive science major because I did really love the brain and wanted to learn about that. But in high school, I knew I was passionate about film um and pretty early on at MIT I realized I would not be happy if I didn't try to pursue my dream of working in film um so no one at MIT majors in the humanities um, like at all like I was the only person of my year to graduate as a writing major and I was the first person in five years to pick the specific writing major track that I did out of three writing major tracks. Um, so much so that all of the uh, like requirements for the major were very out of date and they didn't offer half of the classes anymore. So basically I got there, I realized I wanted to do film. They didn't have a film program. So I decided to major in writing, um, went to my advisor and basically carved my own path because they didn't have half the classes anymore. So I was like, can I just like do this, 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 and this instead? And thankfully my advisor was super cool, very excited that I wanted to do something different. Um, and so she got behind me and helped me kind of curate my own MIT experience. Um, and I think that kind of has been really helpful in shifting into entrepreneurship and creating my own path and experience. And um, it's, I don't want to say it's lonely being an entrepreneur, but like I work for myself by myself. So like in that sense, I am alone in this career path. And so I think having been alone in my major at MIT um, was kind of a helpful path that was paved for me to kind of be where I'm at now. That's really cool. I um I kind of I had a similar journey kind of. So I I didn't completely change my major. Well, I changed schools pretty much. So mm -hmm. I was planning on going to um it's called um University of North Texas for pre-physical okay. therapy. And then I took one summer school class and then I was like this one guy came in and started talking about chiropractic school and how like I could get through it faster. Um, I'll leave all the like details out because then it would be a really long story. Um, <laughs> and then he had talked about how they also incorporated physical therapy toward the school. And I like I fell in love with it, came home, told my parents it was like a week and I'm like, I'm changing schools. And they're like, wait, what? <laughs> and I'm like, yes, we are doing this. And so now I'm like, I'm at home, I'm studying at home and I never um just for like the what they call the pre-doctorate program for mm -hmm. into chiro um, chiropractic and I didn't realize the like 
uh, the impact it would be. I, I wouldn't say I'm an introvert, but I wouldn't say I'm an extrovert. I'm like an extroverted introvert, whatever people want to call that. <laughs> um, but I didn't realize the impacts of like studying at home or being at home could have on mm. me. Um, I didn't really experience that much of it during COVID just yeah. because like, um, I, I have a past of like having an eating disorder. You don't know this, but my listeners do. Um, and so I was kind of wrapped up in all of that to where I kept myself busy to where now it's like, I'm out of that place and now I'm almost living that again. Mm. Um, so anyways, that was a bit of a ramble about me, but, <laughs> um, as far as like when it came to deciding that you were going to switch majors, like, was it kind of just like one day you woke up and you're like, I'm changing or, and you like <laughs> have a midlife like crisis at school? <laughs> I have had so many quarter life crises. It's hard to believe. Um, so thankfully when you go to MIT, you don't, I don't think you declare your major until end of sophomore year, maybe. Maybe it's the beginning of sophomore year. I don't know. Um, right. So I applied thinking I would be cognitive science, but like no one actually shows up declared to a major. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, there's not different schools. So it's not like if I switch majors, I'd have to like switch schools within the school. Um, so it wasn't like a big decision that had to be made at any point. But yeah, like I... <laughs> went through a major quarter life crisis. I wouldn't say I was depressed, but I was probably as close to depression as you can get without being clinically depressed. Mm -hmm. um, Cause I realized that, or I felt like I had signed myself up for a life that was not what I, I felt like I could achieve if I really wanted to, if that kind of makes sense. Um, like I, I had picked the safe option going into cognitive science. Um, Cause obviously, you know, science is much more stable career than, you know, trying to go into film. Um, and I, I just, yeah, I remember that first semester in school, just feeling very, very lost and um, not really knowing what to do or how to get to where I wanted to be and kind of feeling very stuck. Um, and I don't think there was anything specific. Oh, wait, no, there totally was. I, so I actually, YouTube has very much influenced my life. Um, back then I had just started my YouTube channel and I was still watching um, more like lifestyle-ish creators, but a lot of them were also into film and filmmaking and were making like short content that was really, really good. And I think someone had released like a 20 minute short or something that, I mean, retrospectively, it wasn't like really, really good, but like with the budget of them being probably like 24 at the time and like what they could pull off, like it was the amount of creativity that I was really passionate about and that excited me. And I realized that the path I was on was, would eventually kind of take that away from me um and so I the, the more of their content that I watched the, basically the more YouTube that I watched the more I realized that something needed to change um and that was when I started exploring other options and found the writing major and the within that there were three tracks and one was a digital media track um so I basically went to my advisor I was like I want to do digital media writing um 
video is a form of digital media. Therefore, you should let me take all of the video creation classes that MIT has to offer. And she was like, that sounds like a great idea. Um, so I was able to shift into that and do a lot more like video production kind of classes, which ended up working out really well. Um, but yeah, I was I was very, very lost for a little bit of time there for sure. What do you think got you through that? Just YouTube or was there something else? Um, YouTube, music. I think I, I, I had just started my own YouTube channel at that time. I started it like two weeks before starting college. Um, so I was still getting to create my own content. Um, I don't recommend trying to find my own channel, my old channel. It was really bad, um, <laughs> just very awkward. Um, but I was still really enjoying it cause I was creating. And, um, so I had that, I had a really great support group of friends my freshman year. Um, I don't think I talked to them too much about all of this, but they were still very much there for me and very much supportive of like my YouTube channel and everything, which was amazing. Um, and I think ending up getting the support of my advisor once I pitched her the idea of switching to that major and doing those classes ended up kind of really helping me find a new trajectory from there. Yeah. And by the way, I have looked up your old YouTube. And oh, no. <laughs> it's so cute. It's like, <laughs> I love the little like dancers. I was like, oh my gosh, she's so cute and happy. <laughs> I was so awkward. Like I was like, you asked me if I'm comfortable in front of the camera. And like, yes, I feel like I was more comfortable than most. Like I didn't have like a huge hump to get over, but I was, I was finding my voice. I was yeah. put it that way. <laughs> and I feel like that happens for like most people when it comes to like like video content or even like podcasting yeah. so besides I think that makes you more of a real person than like the whole like oh look at me I like know how to talk I don't know actually that makes more yeah. like realistic of a person I'm trying to make this sound good but oh well <laughs> you know we're still all awkward here <laughs> I want that on a t-shirt we're still all, all awkward, awkward. Here. I like that <laughs> you can steal it I'll let you steal it because I don't have like a what is it um clothing company whatever you should do it start, start a little <laughs> merch <hardcore. store. laughs> i'll buy the t-shirt yeah <laughs> just the awkward human beings that will be my brand <laughs> lovely <laughs> um oh my goodness i was gonna ask a question and i kind of forgot where i was gonna go um okay so with um with when it came to like changing your major did you ever because i know for me i can be really hard on myself when it comes to like classes and grades and mm -hmm. still telling myself that it doesn't matter what grade you make um for the most part as long as you're like passing your classes but yeah. um did you ever feel like you worked so hard and then you like to on this like really hard major and then not to say that like writing isn't a hard major, but like all <laughs> yeah. the writing majors are going to be really angry at me right now. But like, did you ever feel like you um, you were letting yourself down for all the hard work that you had worked up to? <laughs> yes, um, <laughs> absolutely. That was I mean, I <laughs> still quarter life crisis about that today. Um, mostly, so I, my freshman year, again, um, 
I didn't really take any major specific classes because like pretty much all freshmen at MIT take the same classes as like just general ed. Um, so as far as MIT classes went, I put in as much effort as I would have had to put in even if I had gone in as a writing major. But um, I did, I, I don't want to say sacrificed. I didn't have a lot of like a, do you want to say, <laughs> my mom would be really sad hearing this, but I didn't have a lot of, Four childhood experiences that most people would have in high school um, because I was working so hard. And like that was 100% my choice to work that hard. Like I wanted to work hard because I wanted to like go places and do things. And like I valued my own success a lot. Um, but yes, I was working really hard with the idea that, you know, maybe one day I would be a lawyer or I would like you know, do something science here, like have this, like be a doctor. Um, and to retrospectively look back and realize that like, I probably could have taken a lot more time to explore myself a lot more in high school um, instead of just work constantly. It does make me a little bit sad that I lost that. But that said, like on the flip side, um, I think I instilled a work ethic in myself that is absolutely critical to be where I'm at today and to like have be running my own business and be able to work for 16 hours straight, just like wake up, sit down, work all day, go to sleep and do it again. Like I learned how to do that because I worked so hard in high school and because my grades were so important to me and it has set me up for the success that I have today. So while I probably could have gotten away with slacking off a little bit more and not working as hard um, and had some more of those key life experiences, um, I don't necessarily regret it. Mm -hmm. No, I, I completely agree with that because sometimes I look back and I'm like, you know, I really didn't have to shoot for the like 105 on the test. Or, yeah. Like I don't have to stress out if I like miss one question. It's fine. Yes. Um, but then that also kind of makes me who I am. It was kind of like when you were talking about how, um, what was it back where, um, how going to MIT kind of, and like cr creating your own path, mm -hmm. like sort of like built you exactly. up to becoming an entrepreneur. It's like same thing with like teaching the grades. It's those, it's those little moments that you don't realize that can like help you later on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it definitely, I, I lost a lot of like life um but I think I gained a lot of skills that have been very very helpful for me in creating the ultimate life that I want yeah all right so um going to like health and fitness size side I know you like struggled with um corticoid steroid withdrawal is mm -hmm. that correct yeah yeah topical so, steroid withdrawal it's yeah why did I say cortical steroid um is it, it is a corticosteroid, corticosteroid. okay yeah, I, I was using topical steroids Top, okay yeah um talk a little bit about that how like how did you get that what is that it sounds like a big scary word <laughs> <laughs> I mean it is a little bit scary it was a legitimate drug withdrawal that just it lasted like a year mm -hmm. um so background I 
probably I had so I have celiac disease um mm. which probably led to me developing small like skin issues when I was a kid um like small patches of basically eczema um and to help with that I was given some creams and things and that kind of helped and then in high school um I had a flare on my skin I don't remember the exact order of everything that happened way back then um but essentially I ultimately was prescribed topical steroids to keep my skin happy and healthy um and no one told me that you should only use them for like four to six weeks or whatever it's supposed to be and that you should stop using them after that so I just used them for like eight years straight non-stop um so as the body does when you constantly dose it with something it's adapted to it and um I ended up growing a tolerance to it and so in like 2019 early 2019 after like eight years of using topical steroids they kind of stopped working and my skin started flaring and the more I put topical steroids on the worse my skin kind of got like it got to the point where one area that was really bad was my eyelids and my eyelids felt paper thin like they would get like itchy and dry and whatever and I would rub them and I would just be like this like it does not feel good like it feels like I could tear my eyelid if I like rubbed it too hard um and I could tell that just the more that I was using the steroids the worse it was getting so I decided to stop using the topical steroids and my whole body ended up flaring over the course of like three or four months, it just got worse and worse and worse. Everything got red and dry and flaky and itchy and oozy. And I was swollen and it was so itchy that I was literally scratching through my skin to the point of bleeding and I couldn't sleep. And it was just an absolute nightmare. I was in pain like constantly 24 seven. Cause like if I moved even one joint, my skin was so dry that it would like crack. So basically if I moved, I was gonna start bleeding um, out of wherever, whatever body part I was moving around at the time. Um, so yeah, um, what essentially I think it was is topical steroids are a corticosteroid. So they mimic cortisol in the body. So essentially I was dosing myself with cortisol which is the stress hormone for years. And then I stopped. So my body was like, what's going on? Like cortisol, while people, it tends to be talked about in a negative way um, because too much cortisol does like a lot of damage to the body. Too little cortisol also is not good. Um, your body needs cortisol to function. So suddenly stopping the steroids, my body had probably downregulated my own production of cortisol. Um, and so now I had very low cortisol. And so my body just, it took about a year for it to re-regulate that and heal everything and heal my skin and all of that. So fun times in Marissa's oh, yeah. life. <laughs> um, yeah, I, when I was watching your videos at that time, I always like felt so bad and also just, again, it's like a different version of strength. You like mm -hmm. show strength in the gym, but then you also so showed strength through like going through that and not giving up on yourself, which yeah. is I think aspiring to look at. Um, how did you get through that like what was what was something that you're hanging on to because like i know if that would happen to me like i'm constantly cracking and bleeding i'd be like what's going on my body's falling apart 
Yes. Yeah. At first it was definitely scary because I didn't know what was happening to my body. I didn't know what topical steroid withdrawal was. I had no idea. I figured like I was developing some autoimmune issue or something. Um, so that the first like month or two where I didn't know what was happening, it felt like my body, like I was just slowly deteriorating. I was like, am I dying? I don't know. Um, one of the big things that was helpful was I started working with Christina Rice, who at the time was a nutritional therapy practitioner and also a friend of mine. Um, and she did like a consult with me and kind of gave me direction with where to go to help my body heal. And even though we didn't know what was wrong, like there's a lot of things that you can do in general if things start going wrong with your body. So it was really helpful to just have someone else telling me what to do so that it didn't feel like it was all on me. And I could kind of take some of that pressure off and just be like, okay, like going through this, I'm just going to do what I'm told and it'll get better. And that was another thing that we talked about is the belief that you have about your body um, and its health can drastically impact how healthy your body actually is. Like people talk about the placebo effect all the time, right? Like you need to have a placebo control in studies because we know that if someone believes that they're going to get better, that they might just get better because they think it, not because they have the actual medication, which is why we need a placebo. But you can use that in both directions and without being in a clinical trial, right? So if you believe that you are going to get more sick, then you may placebo affect yourself and make yourself more sick. Um, and if you believe that you're going to get better, you can placebo affect yourself and make yourself start to get better. Um, obviously this doesn't apply across the board, like major disclaimer there, but uh, mindset absolutely plays a key part in any healing process from anything. Um, and so I really took that to heart and, you know, I realized I had two options. One was to believe that I was going to get better and that everything was going to be okay and to stay positive or to allow myself to succumb to all of the pain and, probably end up super depressed and not functional and probably get stuck in that space for a lot longer. So the way I looked at it, I just, I had a choice. Um, and so I chose to do what I could to get through the pain. Um, and some days, obviously it got to me, but most of the time I kind of just pushed through and stuck to the things that I knew or thought I needed to do to heal. Um, trusted the process, told myself that even if it was getting better, every day was still a day closer to being healed. Um, and when I did discover that topical steroid withdrawal was a thing, and that's probably what I had, that also was helpful in just having the reassurance of like, I'm not actually dying. Um, so, you know, it's just a matter of time. And like, that is kind of the general consensus for topical steroid withdrawal is it just, it just takes time and everyone heals eventually. Some people, it does take six years, um, but everyone heals eventually. So I kind of clung on to that as well. Um, and I would do like little things here and there to distract myself, like in the worst of it, like I was cat sitting for a friend and her place had stairs and because everything hurt and I was swollen and I couldn't move my skin walking upstairs was incredibly painful like bending my knees to walk up the stairs just hurt so instead I kept my legs straight and like would swivel my body back and forth to like lift my legs up the stairs and it was ridiculous and so I just started like singing along as I would do that to kind of pretend like I was just doing it for fun and like dancing instead of 
like just hobbling up the stairs because I was in a lot of pain and couldn't move. So it was a lot of deciding to put a positive spin on everything that I could and sticking with that. That said, if I went through it again, I don't know if I'd be able to do that. I, it, it would be, you said strength. I think it would take immense, immense amount of strength to be able to pull that out a second time um, and be able to, to stay positive with it again. Do you still have that fear that it's going to come back? Oh yeah. Um, I still get small flares and it's usually correlated with high stress. Um, but whenever that does happen, it, it gets scary. Like right now my hand is actually not doing too great. Um, and I have noticed, like, I think at this point I'm getting closer to understanding really what I will need to do to kind of make it go away entirely. Um, it's a little bit of a, <laughs> a woo woo spiritual journey that I think needs to happen for myself. Um, but I think I, I feel like I'm getting closer to getting all the way through it and hopefully not flaring unless like I would imagine if I get super stressed at some point in the future, maybe it would come back. Um, but basically, yes, whenever my skin has gotten a little bit worse or I notice like small patches of it coming up, I, I get scared. There was a time like maybe a year ago where I was under a lot of stress, wasn't really sleeping just because I decided to take on a lot of extra work for funsies. Um, and my skin started flaring and I got a little bit of it like it, it felt like a little bit of PTSD was triggered I I started getting really scared because it, it was the worst it had been since I had considered myself healed um and that was when I realized that like if I were to go through it again I don't know if I could um but other than that I'm I'm mostly doing okay now <laughs> yeah definitely um I, I've honestly, I've had this conversation with someone else recently about, it seems like those people, you very seem like the go, go, go sort of like a yeah. type personality. Mm -hmm. And I would identify myself as that same sort of person. And it seems like those people who have that sort of mentality always get, if you want to say the universe gives you this, or if like God mm -hmm. gives this to you, whatever you want to say, gives it, gives something to those certain people just to tell them to slow down. Like it yes. is okay to slow down. Yes, absolutely. That was actually another thing. Thank you for reminding me that I kind of clung on to as I was going through it is I found gratitude in that. Um, Cause I was absolutely like, go, go, go. Like, I think it might've been that winter before it all started happening. I think I was launching my first ebook or my second ebook. I don't know. I think I had a lot going on and I like slept six hours a night and literally was working all day um for probably six to eight weeks at a time and that was that was not sustainable that was not healthy <laughs> and I absolutely probably would have just kept doing that to myself over and over if this thing hadn't kicked me down and said no stop it this is bad um and it forced me to slow down um and stop working so hard and I realized while I was going through it that if I had kept up with what I was trying to do and the speed that I was trying to work at, it probably would have shaved years off of my life um, and probably would have potentially led to other like development of other chronic issues down the line. And so I needed something to slow me down. Um, and so being forced to slow down made me 
understand that perspective and learn how to slow down also because I don't know if I would have been able to learn that by my I mean I probably could have eventually but it's a lot harder to force yourself to slow down than you know if you're being forced to slow down by something else so I was able to find a lot of gratitude in that because I do think ultimately it helped me find a much healthier balance that I'm still working on like I'm still very much like type a go 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 want to work all the time um but I can recognize that in myself a little bit better and catch myself a little bit more and now I know how to slow down when I need to yeah. During that process, because I know you're very into like lifting and health. Did mm -hmm. you have to look at your body in a different way when you were going through this? Um, I suppose I did. I think it wasn't too difficult of a shift for me. But yeah, like when I started going through it, I since I couldn't really move, I couldn't really work out. The best I could do was on good days, go for walks. Um, And so very early on, I basically realized that yeah I might end up gaining weight because I'm not working out and I made my peace with that very quickly um and I think I I started finding more value in my body because of it like I had I had already been past the point where I did not place much of my self-worth in my aesthetics I was able to value my body for its strength and like for my ability to do pull-ups and push-ups. And I was like, yeah, I'm super strong. And I love that about myself. And it doesn't really matter as much what I look like because I have my strength and I have my health. Then all of a sudden I didn't have my strength and my health and I didn't gain weight, but I definitely, I looked like a monster because I was red and flaky and scaly and people would stare at me on the street. Um, so I lost that as well. And so I had to dig a lot deeper to find love for my body um and what I ended up finding and settling on is that your body is your best friend and it always has your best interests at heart no matter what and it's always fighting for you and it always wants you to be the healthiest version of you that you can be um and so I I really kind of sunk into that um and that since then that has kind of been my the core of my relationship with my body that that's I, I like that quote where your like body is always working with you and keeping you in balance like that's mm -hmm. amazing because like I think so many people and I've done this myself multiple times where you wake up in the morning you look in the mirror and you're like oh I hate how I look or like mm -hmm. I hate how my body looks and it's like your body's trying to do its best it can just to keep you surviving <laughs> yes absolutely yeah I like I, I I as much as I say like I don't place value in aesthetics I still have those days too where like I wake up and I look in the mirror I'm like oh that's I don't like that quite as much as I did yesterday. What's going on here? Um, but since I do have like a very deep sense of self-love beyond that, I can usually get through that. But like, it still, it still <laughs> hits me every now and again. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's been a journey. That's for sure. Oh, definitely. Well, it would be, life would be boring if it wasn't a journey. <laughs> This is true. This is very true. <laughs> Sometimes you wake up in the morning and you're kind of just like, man, I wish this could be easier. But then like hindsight, you're like, no, I'm kind of glad I go through these struggles. It's like, yes. I think Adam's talked about this on Mind Pump where he's like, he knows the, the really dark stuff that he goes through mm -hmm. is like, the harder it is, the better the outcome is at the very end. Absolutely. Or once he gets through it. I think it's just when you're in the middle of it, you don't see it. Yes. Or it's hard to see it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that can come in all shapes and forms. And yeah, absolutely. Like, I think if you can have 
a genuine like growth mindset, um, you can see that even when you're in this sounds like borderline toxic positivity, I will admit that. Um, but <laughs> you know, if, if you have a growth mindset, when you are in a less than positive place, you can still find value in it. Um, it doesn't mean you automatically switch and are like, oh, I'm so happy now, um, <laughs> which is where I don't think this is actually toxic positivity. Um, but acknowledge, like having the understanding that when you're in a bad place um, or something is happening that is not optimal, knowing that it is a growth experience and that you will probably have some positive takeaways from it, I mm-hmm. think can be really helpful. Or it at least gets you like, set in a different perspective like you can yes. see a different perspective because if you're so deep in the weeds of like how bad it is mm-hmm. and you're like there's no point then it's mm-hmm. like then you see no way out to where like if yeah. you at least give yourself the perspective of like there's something to this mm-hmm. then you're at least open-minded to like there's a point to all of this yes yeah absolutely yeah I've I've um let's just chat about my personal life why not um I <laughs> Earlier this year, got out of what uh, many have told me was an abusive relationship, um, not physically, but emotionally abusive relationship. And that was the the realization that that's what I had been in was a very dark place. Um, and obviously, I'm still coming to terms with that because I can't even call it an abusive relationship. I have to say that's what other people were telling me. Um, so, you know, still working through that. But um it's it's a very dark place to be and but like even now and even when I was in the worst of that I recognized the potential for my own personal growth within that and learning from that experience and being able to um take things away from that and I think it it did make me realize there was a lot about myself that I wasn't even aware of um that could do with some growth. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm being careful with what I'm trying to say because I don't want to make it sound like, uh, you know, obviously, like, if you're in a, an abusive relationship, it's not your fault in any way, shape or form. And it was not my fault that I was in it. Um, but there are there are parts of me that it, it made me aware of that can grow. Um, and I am growing and it's cool. Um, and I'm excited about that part and focusing on that growth from it um, has been a lot more helpful for me than feeling sorry for myself for having been in that situation. And there's still plenty of me feeling sorry for myself for having been in that situation, um, but I choose not to focus on that as much. Mm-hmm. When you're working through that, like, are you a journaler? Are you like a, how do you like figure these sort of things out? Or do you just like talk to people? What's your process? Um, I did start doing therapy, like literally the day we broke up. Cause I was like, I, this, this is going to need, need some help. Um, so that I think has been kind of helpful, but honestly, I, less helpful than I think I'm just a relatively introspective person. And I think going through topical steroid withdrawal actually was kind of therapy in a sense that it did make me dig very deep and like find values and things and like analyze my approach to things and be able to like find positivity and things and so having gone through that I've kind of sat with those experiences and applied them 
to this. Um, but I guess it's also, I, I have done some reading, like I read, well, while I was in the relationship, I read how to do the work, um, which great book, highly recommend for anyone that wants to do some, uh, self exploration. Um, it's a very good, like intro to holistic therapy ideas. Um, listening to lots of podcasts, basically consuming information. I apparently is my, my go-to for things. So that's what I did in fitness too, but like, yeah, just binging all the content that I could to help myself get kind of an objective understanding. Um, cause especially with something like emotional abuse, it's really hard to be objective about things and trust yourself and understand what was really going on. Um, so getting, not outside, pers well, outside perspectives from friends too was also very helpful, um, but just getting content um, from people that, you know, like podcasts and YouTube videos and stuff was helpful in kind of piecing things together and giving me points of self-reflection um, so that I could do my own work from there, if that kind of makes sense. No, that totally makes sense because I do the same exact thing. I can totally tell what I'm going through based off of like the algorithm of like youtube and mm -hmm. like how many pod what the type of podcasts i'm listening to <laughs> yep, yep. Yep. and it's almost like it's because it almost feels like that person understands you or you can mm -hmm. like you you see yourself in them and i think that's what i like about podcasts so much is that it's like you you almost create that community like you were talking about from school you create that community of like like-minded people that you know also wants to grow Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, uh, circling back to kind of what we were talking about in the beginning with social media, like, I think that's the, the positive side of social media for sure. Like <laughs> as much as I uh, kind of shit talk social media for a hot sec, like I'm on social media, clearly I think there's a benefit. And I think that is one of the huge benefits is the community, um, finding like-minded people and then kind of having a space to grow within that and grow from there. And there's so many different avenues that you can go down with social media and find more content that like resonates with you, but also use it to explore and grow in new ways. Like there's a lot of value there for sure. Well, it was funny. I had a friend one time, they like grabbed my phone and they were like looking through my Instagram and they open it up and they're like, who are you following? Like <laughs> I, it was all like the like health and fitness people, like mind mm -hmm. pump you. It was like some like therapy person or like psychologist. Mm -hmm. And they're like, I'm just looking at cat videos. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> I some days I wish my whole feed was just cat videos. There's a lot of cat videos in my feed already though. <laughs> yeah. Well, that makes sense. You have an adorable cat, so you like yes. have to infuse your life with more cats. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um okay so I know that you're like doing a new course and it yes. has to do with reverse dieting what's all yes. that about what is reverse dieting yeah super excited about this because I, I I can't shut up about it it's great um so reverse dieting is like I talked about earlier like I think people should be able to like eat as much as they want to be healthy um reverse dieting is a process that can help you get to that point so um just as when you diet when you go into a calorie deficit your metabolism will eventually slow down and you'll plateau that's why people plateau um you can do the opposite 
you can eat more and your metabolism will speed up to burn more and you will eventually plateau to a certain extent. You can't add like 5,000 calories extra and <laughs> expect to, to hit a plateau and not keep gaining weight. But like to a certain extent, you can eat more, your body will speed up some metabolism and adapt to that higher calorie intake. So reverse dieting is a process that involves incremental increase in calorie intake combined with resistance training to speed up your metabolism and also um, prevent gaining as much fat as possible. Because if you were to suddenly, like if you're sticking with 1200 calories and you're maintaining weight on 1200 calories, because you've been trying to lose weight on 1200 calories for your whole life, because that's what everyone growing up told you you should be doing. Um, if you're plateaued at 1200 calories and you just add an extra thousand calories, you're going to gain weight pretty rapidly. Um, so reverse dieting does it in a very slow incremental way so that you can get up to like 2,200 calories a day and essentially maintain your weight. And, um, a lot of people find, especially if you are coming from a background of restriction and only eating 1200 calories a day, um, if you have excess body weight, I've seen a lot of these people lose weight in the process of reverse dieting, which is just fascinating in my opinion, um, mm -hmm. that you can eat more to lose fat. Like how cool is that? Um, so yeah, so that's essentially what my course does. It's called reverse dieting 101. Um, it is reopening for registration. I think the day that this podcast is going live, um, yes. <laughs> it, it should be open on January 2nd. Um, yep. so you can find out more info on reverse dieting 101.com, but the course essentially, like I've taken a lot of one-on-one -on -one clients through the process of reverse dieting. And I just wanted to be able to expand it to as many people as possible because I saw all of the amazing benefits that they've gotten and it's not just being able to eat more and maintain weight um like people improve their energy uh it helps with hormone balance if you're coming from a background of restriction and you have any hormone issues like eating more might help a, a lot uh it can help with sleep like if you're under eating it causes a lot of health issues. So basically reverse dieting can help reverse the negative side effects of too much dieting. Um, but yeah, registration is open. I'm super excited to welcome a new class. Had a lot of amazing results with the first class. Like I was reading people's comments in the Facebook group because the course comes with a community Facebook group that I'm in, like actively participating and coaching people through the reverse diet. And like reading through those comments and seeing all of the benefits that people got made me <laughs> very emotional. Um, and it's just, it's so cool to see, like to be able to give this information to more people and help more people through this process. So yeah, I'm very excited about it. I could ramble about it for hours and hours, but I will spare you the ramble. Um, but that is, that is the summary. I know people can't see you right now, but you're literally like glowing and I can see the <laughs> excitement inside of you. Like this is someone who's like actually passionate about like what they're doing and like wants to help people. So definitely recommend getting into this course. Um, I, well, I've even found like for myself, cause I worked with a coach for a while and she was not like because of my history I wasn't like tracking like reverse dieting mm -hmm. but we did it in a way where it was like I didn't have to do it without tracking obviously it wasn't as precise but I still mm -hmm. I found those results within myself where it was like I could eat more feel better and mm -hmm. like still love my body um yes. and it's I think some people don't realize that like dieting does have side effects most mm -hmm. of the time people are like I need to diet to be healthy and it's like yep no there needs to be like you know how like pills have a like a warning sign there needs to be like a warning <laughs> that's another t-shirt 
diet yes. warning sign. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, it. You're totally right. Like that's that's a whole other tangent. But yeah, people thinking that the healthiest thing to do is to diet, when like weight loss isn't always healthy. In a lot of cases, it may not be healthy. And if you approach it in an unhealthy way, it's certainly unhealthy. Um, yeah, dieting is not inherently healthy and can absolutely cause a lot of negative side effects well beyond like completely messing up your relationship with food. Um, and I'm not, like I said, I'm not anti-diet by any means. Like I think there's a time and a place. It just needs to be done properly and you need to be coming from a healthy, stable place before you dive into that rather than trying to lose weight when you're already maintaining weight on 1200 calories and you've lost your period because you're under eating and your sleep is horrible and your skin is all messed up. Like, no, like reverse diet, get yourself to a very healthy place, repair your relationship with food. And then if you still want to lose fat, once you're healthy, we can talk about it, you know? Yeah. Uh, with, with that being said, going back to like the whole dieting piece and like, there's a place for a diet and then there's like, maybe like a place not for like dieting with your relationship with food. How do you navigate like being, I don't, how do you put this? Like, cause I know there's the whole like intuitive eating where the, like, um, where like eat what you want, but then some people are like, well, then I just eat candy bars all day. But then, so like, you need to like eat to fuel your body properly but then also like if you want to go out with some friends like I know this is something that I've struggled with for a long time where it was like I I'm very health conscious but then I guess you could because categorizing it as like dealing with more of the orthorexia um mm -hmm. where you allow yourself to like enjoy out side time with like friends and like getting pizza or um obviously gluten-free for you yeah. with the celiac <laughs> but like or like going and getting ice cream and stuff like that how do you navigate like having a healthy lifestyle but then also having like a mentally healthy lifestyle yeah I think for me it's really come down to like I reverse dieted recently um I reverse dieted a couple years ago before I went through my skin stuff so my skin stuff kind of undid my first reverse diet which is why I did it a second time um but getting to the place where I could basically like I can basically eat as many calories as I would ever want and wouldn't really gain weight um and the amount of food freedom that you feel when you can get to that point is insane like once you realize like I could eat cake every single day and not gain weight and it would be totally fine. Then in my experience and in the experience of a lot of my clients that I've done this with, you crave the cake a lot less. Like you don't want all of the things anymore because all of the things are absolutely an option and you could have them whenever. So like personally, I eat pizza whenever I want. And usually that ends up only being once every two to three months. Like when I crave it, I eat it it's fine. Um, but because I know it's always an option because it's not a food that's off limit, then I, I don't really have those cravings. So that's kind of how I've been able to navigate that and still like prioritize the foods that make me feel the best physically. Um, cause that is my ultimate goal. Like my, my top value in life is my health. Um, and so, you know, I like to eat in a way that makes me physically feel good, which tends to be more whole and processed foods. Um, 
And so if I'm just eating because I'm hungry, like that is what I'm going to crave. That is what I am going to want. Um, but if I do have any other cravings for random other foods, I can honor that and know that it's not going to like make me gain a ton of weight or anything. Um, and so I kind of just find the balance that way. Yeah. So you like found peace with food or balance through like the reverse dieting and having freedom with knowing that you can't eat it without like, freaking out about yes. like gaining it yeah and it's yeah. crazy because i think like a couple of years ago i would have like called you out and said that's crazy like how could you do that and like not want to eat the ice cream that's like sitting in your freezer and it's like yeah. when you finally allow yourself to indulge in it but then also like fuel your body with the foods that make you feel good it's like mm -hmm oh, it's not as enticing as what it exactly. was before. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's it's a very similar concept to going all in um, where you just allow yourself to eat everything and eventually like your body taps out and says, no, I don't actually want to eat those things every single day anymore. Um, and you do find the balance that way. So it's it gets you to kind of a similar um, point. But I since I haven't come from a background of um like any extreme restriction I never felt the need to like take that path um but I see immense value in it because it is it's a very similar mindset that it gets you to oh yeah definitely so how would people find this because everyone's going to want to do it, obviously. <laughs> yes. Um, if you go to reversedieting101.com, you can sign up for the course. Um, more info about uh I have holistic fitness labs is where I'm running the course through. It's my business. It's basically the same as Misfit Nerdy, just with a different name. Um, but holisticfitnesslabs.com is the main website. And then our first course is uh, Reverse Dieting 101. Um, so you can just go straight to reversedieting101.com or you can find me on social media at Misfit Nerdy everywhere else. And then I have links to all of that on my own social media as well. That's awesome. Well, before I let you go, I wanted to ask one question because yes. I'm in my 20s or I am 20 and I always like want to know what people would have told their 20 year old self. Like if you would give yourself a piece of advice, what would you tell yourself? Oh boy. Where was I when I was 20? I would have been, what are you? Uh, are you a junior? Uh, yes. Okay. Yep. Um, junior in college, Marissa. I think Don't be afraid of following your passions because you have enough passion to pull yourself through and get to where you want to be, um, even if you don't have the other things that you may see as necessary to get there. That's awesome. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of makes sense. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah. Okay. It, it came together in the end. <laughs> 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 well, thank you so much for being on my podcast. I really do appreciate it. It's definitely like I made a list of people that I wanted on my podcast and mm -hmm. you were definitely one of the top five. So oh, thank you. you. Yeah. No, yeah. thanks so much for having me. This has been fun. People usually ask me about like health and fitness stuff. So talking about other stuff was uh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, I was totally planning on talking about like weightlifting and health and fitness. And I was like, you know what? We're going to go a totally different direction. This is awesome. So oh, this is great. I love it. <laughs> well, you have a good rest of your day. Thank you so much. Thank you.